Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Suffolk Free Radio, Boston Radio, the views and opinions expressed on A House Divided are the views and opinions of the on-air personalities only. These views do not reflect those of Suffolk University, Suffolk Free Radio, or those of the Student Leadership and Involvement Office. Welcome to A House Divided on this Thursday, February 20th, 2020. It's 2 20 guys. little anomaly with the date there. My name is Nick Samarco. Sitting alongside me in studio is Andy Robitaille and Tom Pekarainen. And joining us via Google Hangouts in Spain is the one and only Matthew Lewis. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. Andy? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all right. Can you it's hear me? Fine. Yeah, I got you, Matt. Oh, okay, all yeah. right. I wasn't sure. Are you doing good today, <laughs> Matthew? I'm. I'm doing. I'm doing just fine. Splendid. It's uh, a nice 62 degrees here in Spain. Ugh. Absolutely wonderful weather. Sunny. It's about half that here, so no wind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a beautiful day in Spain and a miserable day in, in Boston, Boston. I guess is the way to say it. Mm-hmm. At least the sun's out today, though. I will say that it has been dreadfully cloudy the past couple weeks and we've had yeah. a good stretch of like three days with the sun so i'll oh, take yeah. it oh yeah i'll take it i like rain i like the rain it was good you like the rain i do i really do like the do rain. you also like pain no just rain okay okay yeah. that's fair all right so uh as always we have a slate of topics that we're going to talk about today but more than anything else we're going to start off by talking about the damn debate that took last night and uh, there was a newcomer to the stage in the form of Moneybags, Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> yep, Michael Bloomberg, the fam- former mayor of New York, took the stage last night for the first time as a Democratic candidate. And uh, Tom, if you could sum up his performance in one word, what would you use to sum it up? Disastrous. Disastrous. I would I would be inclined to use the same adjective. Uh, we have a couple clips here from the debate. I labeled them in the folder, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I think that was fair to describe Michael Bloomberg's night. There For the was- first two minutes when he came onto the stage and he said that he was the only one to have a fair shot at Trump, that's where the good was. And then anything after that, is, it just fell apart, went down south. And he really didn't have a good answer for anything. Yeah, we'll let the clips do the talking here, but it was it was not, should we say, Bloomberg's final. Mayor Bloomberg, you own a large company. Would you support what Senator Sanders is proposing? Absolutely not. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Whoa. So, so let me... What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax... Which tax haven do you have your home? New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. 
Andy, uh, that was the good. I don't get it. This is amazing. Yeah, that I was, want Bloomberg for president right now. I know. I've, I've never been more amped up to vote that for this guy. That was awesome. Him slamming Bernie for being the commie that he is and saying, well, champagne socialist you are. You have three houses. And I then- really, <clears throat> I hope that this comes down to, uh, what, what is it, a broker convention yeah. and that he gets the nomination. It would just, just cause so people's every, heads to explode. Every single Bernie bro Democrat I know will die inside. <laughs> And they'll never, ever, ever like have meaning in their life again. So one of the major problems facing Bloomberg is his record on stop and frisk in New York City. The controversial, pro- uh, um, controversial law process that the police carried out to basically search people to find out if they had weapons, guns. It was very good at reducing crime, but there's debate over how bad it was in terms of uh, infringing on civil liberties. This was where the night started to go bad for Bloomberg, his response on stop and frisk. Here it is. Um, I've sat, I've apologized, I've asked for forgiveness, but the bottom line is that we stopped too many people, but the policy, we stopped too many people, and we've got to make sure that we do something about criminal justice in this country. There is no great answer to a lot of these problems, and if we took off everybody that was wrong on this, off this panel, everybody that was wrong on criminal justice at some time in their careers, there'd be nobody else up so I, I just want to say that after you gave that statement, there was like two people clapping. It did not play well with the crowd at the debate at all. And I think that's reflective of the normal Democratic base. Maybe not the Democratic voter, but the Democratic base. I would say um, I don't think that would play bad in the general, though. No, totally not. The that's that the right strategy. Stop it. Like Bloomberg seems like a really good candidate if you're trying to beat Trump. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders does not at all. And... I think Bloomberg, if he like wins the, um, if it becomes a broker convention, it'd actually be pretty pretty good for the Democrats if they chose someone who wasn't wasn't crazy. So this uh, is Tom. I'd say after this is where Bloomberg just absolutely crapped his pants. Is that fair to say? I would say the the stop and frisk uh, when he was questioned on that was a very bad point for him. I think there is a topic later on. I don't know if you want to discuss that. Oh yeah, I have the clip ready. Far worse. <laughs> it was far. I think. I was talking with you about that last night. I, yeah. As soon as I heard that, I said, he's done. $400 million. We'll, we'll debate whether or not his $400 million Moneybags Bloomberg has been lit on fire because of his performance last night. But I want to play this whole clip in its entirety. It's, it's the whole exchange between um, Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren. Bloomberg comes off as so tone deaf in it, it's not even funny. So oh, yeah. here's, the, here's the exchange between Warren and Bloomberg about... NDS. I'd like to talk about who we're running against. A billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. And no, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about Mayor Bloomberg. <laughs> Democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns, of harassing women, and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk. Look, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. So that was that was the exchange between, at the beginning, I forgot that this was in there, between Warren and Bloomberg. Well, several uh, tone was set, and this was claimed that your out. company was a hostile workplace for women. When you were confronted about it, you admitted making sexually suggestive remarks, saying, quote, that's the way I grew up. In a lawsuit in the 1990s, according to the Washington Post, one former female employee alleged that you said, quote, I would do you in a second. 
Should Democrats expect better from their nominee? Let me let me say a couple of things, and have, if I can have my full minute and a, qu- a quarter, thank you. Um, I have no tolerance for the kind of behavior that the Me Too movement has exposed. And anybody that does anything wrong in our company, we investigate it, and if it's appropriate, they're gone that day. But let me tell you what I do in my company and my foundation. And By the way, this is, this is what I would call Bloomberg's binders full of woman moment. Remember that from the 2012 campaign? How Romney tried to prove his credentials with the, the will we hire a lot of people? That may play in reality, but I mean, the Democratic base isn't playing in reality. He, I, I'm going to play the rest of the clip, and then I want you guys' response. And in city government when I was there, in my foundation, the person that runs it's a woman. 70% of the people there are women. In my company, lots and lots of women have big responsibilities. They get paid exactly the same as men. And in my um, uh, in City Hall, the person that's the top person, my deputy mayor, was a woman, and 40% of our commissioners were women. I am very proud of the fact that about two weeks ago, we were awarded, uh, we were voted the uh, most the the best place to work, second best place in America. (laughs) If that doesn't say something about our employees and how happy they are, I don't know what does. Senator Warren, you've been critical of Mayor Bloomberg on this issue. Yes, I have. And I hope you heard what his defense was. I've been nice to some women. That just doesn't cut it. The mayor has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just put, and let me put, there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up. Again, Andy, I want your thoughts, because you didn't seem as, you know, enthused by the whole exchange. And then I want Matt, who may not have seen it live, to comment on just the whole exchange between Warren and uh, Bloomberg there. What did you think of it? Is he done? Oh no! I, this is meaningless. It's not going to make okay. any difference because he has to go. This he's not running for election. He's running for please pick me when these people can't make a decision. So as long as the Democratic Party is the one choosing him, I think it'll be fine. I just I hate and I love this. I love this because it's exactly what every Democrat has been asking for for the last like forty years. These are the standards that they wanted, and Bloomberg was one of the people who asked for these kinds of standards. So I'm super happy he's getting what he deserved. But it also angers me so much because these people are such hypocrites. So many – New York is a city of Democrats. And the fact that they're sitting there and they're going, actually, you're awful and evil and a monster and you, you might be a rapist. It's like, uh, hello? You are part of the party that put him in place. This is a Democrat. You are in charge of this. This is you. <laughs> this is what you make. Tom, uh, excuse uh. me, Matt. Uh, yeah, Tom, go first, and then we'll get Madden because he's 
not really been included thus far, but we'll get him in. Why? Why Bloomberg? I, it's, <laughs> it was just such a dis- such a disastrous event for Bloomberg. I really can't formulate into words how bad this was for Bloomberg. Oh my God. It I it's <laughs> I I look at what uh, I've been looking at what the polls have been saying, and he's been surging up in the polls. He's I, almost passed Biden in the real clear politics polling average. average. It, I I just don't see him moving ahead. I I I look at last debate and I can't see how he's going to do well on Super Tuesday. You think it's not you? You think his chances of Super Tuesday are hurt by this? I think his chances at Super okay. Tuesday are hurt because what do you have? You got California, Massachusetts, Virginia. He was actually in the lead of in the polling. That's I don't think true. Affect him in Virginia at all. But, you don't think so? No. But we look at California, which is a state he Bloomberg really needs a lot of delegates from, and he's not going to get that after this, I believe. Okay. Why not? I mean, California. Hold on, hold on. Like the exact let's let's save people. this for a second, Matt. Consider who the normal Bloomberg voter is. Is this going to hurt him? Is it going to? Ha- is it going to? It's certainly not going to help him. But is it going to hurt him to the point where he's basically peed away four hundred million dollars? So he definitely hasn't peed away four hundred million dollars yet, um, and I think this is because it's just, it's just starting to come out. <laughs> he's not on the ballot until Super Tuesday. Yeah, he's not on the he's not on the ballot in South Carolina, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's on the ballot in Nevada either. No, no, no. He literally just qualified so, for the debate uh, like two days before it was happening too. Because of polling, because yeah. of polling. And and this is because in some polls, he's actually overtaken Joe Biden. Uh, the polling average has him slightly behind, but they're about neck and neck, Biden and Bloomberg. And they're both gunning for that same voter. They're gunning for that moderate Democrat. And I think Bloomberg does a better job of securing that voter because he's less prone to gaffes, albeit he didn't prove that he didn't prove that in the debate. Um, although it was just a Bloomberg pylon, which to me didn't make sense because yeah, he's the new the new dog in the fight in these debates, but he's also not on the ballot until Super Tuesday. So I don't understand why people weren't going after Bernie because Bernie is the right now is the front runner and they, they should be attacking him if they want any chance of a brokered convention of being the nominee. So yep. I just don't understand Bloomberg's... I don't understand the attacks on him at this at this debate besides the fact that he's new. Um, I mean, he's kind of a sleazeball with women, too. It's not... like This is, has been yeah. a long-standing criticism of Bloomberg going back to when he was running for mayor. Um, he's had issues with controlling himself keeping his mouth shut around women there's no allegation of him at least that i know of actually sexually assaulting somebody but there's you know claims of sexual harassment that type of stuff um i mean i think my take on the whole thing is i cannot believe that somebody who spent 400 million dollars in probably paid his in according to reports has paid most of his staffers four times the normal rate for somebody working on one of these campaigns came into this debate woefully as woefully unprepared as Michael Bloomberg did. I was sitting there with my brother and my my dad watching the at least the half of the debate last night and I was saying to myself, if you stuck me up on that stage, I could lie better than Mike Bloomberg right now. <laughs> like it it really wasn't hard to answer any of those questions. He just absolutely stumbled through them. And another thing that kind of irked me even though I, you know, I can't stand soda band man, but 
he seemed so snide and smarmy and almost just he didn't care about any of the things that he was being accused of in the way that he responded to them it was like they're kind of an afterthought to him he's like oh yeah that stuff again here we go shouldn't this is my nomination now and you know you should just roll over and shut up about all the type of stuff i think it will hurt him a little bit i could see i was listening to 538's analysis of the debate last night and they said they would expect a, at least a five point drop in Bloomberg's polling average, which would bring him back down to, I think, about 11%, which is still fourth place, um, or third place right behind, uh, right in front of Buttigieg. Um, I think, though, who this whole thing really benefited was Bernie Sanders. He's emerged as the absolute number one clear front runner of the field, and the entire fear for his campaign is a broker convention, because he is such a radical and anti-establishment type candidate that it wouldn't be really hard to see the Democrat Democrat establishment rallying around a different candidate, even though Bernie would have the plurality of votes. Um, and that candidate was seeming to be Michael Bloomberg. Um, that's his whole plan. The reason why he didn't run in the early states is because he just wanted to play spoiler at the convention. I think that becomes a lot, not a lot, but a slightly harder for him because I think that the average Bloomberg voter already views kind of Bloomberg not as the Biden I'm squeaky clean type of person but almost like Trump well I won't say almost exactly like Trump a bra a a brash New Yorker who can't keep his mouth shut and says things that he shouldn't say and does things that he shouldn't do but he's gonna fight and he's gonna beat Donald Trump I mean yeah I'm looking at the Super Tuesday polling numbers because obviously this is the first time we're gonna see Bloomberg on the ballot in California he's in second in Texas, he is in fourth. In North Carolina, he is in third. In Massachusetts, I don't think he's on the ballot. In Ma- Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, no, he's not on the ballot in Massachusetts, not at least in these polls that I'm looking at. Um, in Maine, he is in uh, third. In Virginia, he's, in, he's tied for first. In Utah, he is fourth. Ca- uh, Colorado, he is, I don't think he's on the ballot. And in Oklahoma, he's in first. So, and he's in first in Oklahoma with a six-point spread. So, it's not looking bad for him on Super Tuesday. We'll see the new the new polls as they come out after this debate. But I also listened to that five thirty-eight analysis, and even if he dips five points nationally, what really matters is these state polls on that's, Super Tuesday. That's absolutely true too. I mean, we're, we're, we will see a couple of weeks from now if how this really hurts him. I think what's going to be absolutely crucial for him for him is walking back these statements because um, now he's on that national stage and trying to figure out a proper response to some of the objections that people have to him about stop and frisk. And he's obviously, obviously going to have to rephrase his response on NDAs. I could see probably in less than a week, him releasing those NDAs out to the public, too. Um, unless unless he's a real scumbag and all the NDAs said, Michael Bloomberg, you know, sexually assaulted me, which is kind of a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out of the picture. Uh, when you're a billionaire, you tend to do things that the average person wouldn't do because you feel entitled to them. Uh, Andy, do you have any final thoughts? Tom, any final thoughts on this? I, I have just one thought that the Democrats really deserve this. This yeah. Bloomberg might not be the hero they need, but he is the hero they deserve. <laughs> that's it? Yeah, that's it. I, I think that's quite succinct, too. I think if all of Hollywood doesn't vote for him, they're hypocrites as well. Okay. Tom? I really don't like calling people who are outside of a debate a real winner of a debate 
but Trump really won this debate, no yeah. matter how oh, we yeah. look at it. <laughs> the campaign ads that are going to be made of this. Oh, oh. there were uh, NBC put this together. This this debate was just a bloodbath. We're we're covering just the Bloomberg side of it because of time constraints. But if we had more time, the vitriol displayed between uh, Klobuchar. Biden and uh, Buttigieg going after each other was just as bad as these exchanges with Bloomberg. They really, really personally dislike each other. And uh, NBC compiled statistics because uh, they were the ones that hosted the debate. In the first 60 minutes of the debate, there were 75 attacks from candidates at other candidates. Uh, that was off the charts compared to the earlier debates. So Did anyone was- try and touch Bernie? Uh, well, Bloomberg did. Um, Other than Bloomberg. And then the rest of the candidates defended them. Def- uh, so did Biden. Biden went after him at the beginning, uh, talking about health care. But uh, the rest of the candidates defended him, which was like, well, Bernie's not it a seems, communist. Yeah, it seems like the lefty yeah. thing to say now is that Bernie Sanders is not a communist. And if you say it, like people will jump on you. Yeah, and they hey, that's what happened to Bloomberg last I night. Don't know. Although that doesn't play with the average. I mean, that plays with the average voter. Bernie is a commie. But it doesn't play with the Democratic base anymore, which is something else for a totally different conversation uh, that we're going to have a little bit later, actually. I, I heard some really good analysis this morning, and sure. I, I, I know that uh, we have to get moving, but Charles Cook at National Review said that that if Bloomberg gets the nomination somehow, like through a brokered convention or whatever, if he somehow winds up with the nomination, the Democrats are going to have a really hard time attacking Trump because they are so similar. They are both New York billionaires. They're both like have really bad records on women. They both... Um, I mean, in some cases, Trump could be considered further to the left on criminal justice reform than Mike Bloomberg uh, after the stop and frisk policy. Um, and it's going to be really hard for the. For, oh, and Mike Bloomberg, um, when he was mayor of New York, changed the law so he could run for a third term and then changed it back so no one else could do it. No, no, no. And he that's exactly what he, they're afraid of Trump doing. Ch- just a quick fact check there. He didn't change the law. The, the council, the city council of New York amended the law so that he could run again, and then the council of New York voted it back. Like, the, the mayor can't just unilaterally do that. But, well, yes, that, but yeah. he had the law changed by the city council. Correct. It was, it was for him. That's, I mean, that's what yes, it was for. Yes, it was for him. They had it changed, and then he changed it back, which is exactly what the Democrats are afraid of Trump doing. But Mike Bloomberg actually did it. <laughs> Trump isn't going to do it because that's not how the, the Constitution works. Bloomberg did it in New York, and they're going to attack Trump on this. I think that Andy want to see this. I really want yeah. to see this election. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I'll tell you what. I am so looking forward to election night. I'm not going to have a dog in the fight. I'm going to equally hate the two people that are probably going to end up being on the stage, uh, being the ones that are in question yeah. on election night. But no matter who wins, the amount of fun it is going to be to see people's heads explode is just going to be off the charts. If you thought 2016 was good, try 2020. It's it's like that old joke, uh, if all of the candidates were on an island and it blew up, who wins? America. <laughs> yes. Uh, moving on now. Speaking of um, <laughs> blowing up things, who wins? Uh, the President of the United States made some controversial uh, moves this week. Among them was granting clemency and uh, a couple pardons to 11 people. Most notably, the person, you know... I, before we talk about the person that is the most controversial here, the, I do want to be fair. There were some people who we can make the case for, hey, maybe they deserve clemency, commutations of sentences. A couple people in there for nonviolent drug offenses, although I hate the idea of overturning court decisions without due process violations. Um, but the most controversial person that was uh, commuted, had their sentence commuted, was former governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. 
Um, he was also on the Celebrity Apprentice with Trump, um, and he has served eight years of a fourteen-year sentence for pay uh, for pay-to-play charges, bribery. Um, he is he was convicted of attempting to sell Barack Obama's Senate seat after Barack Obama became president of the United States because the governor of Illinois has the power to appoint people to that Senate seat. He's on tape saying, I have this thing and it's effing golden <laughs> on tape referring to Barack Obama's Senate seat. So if anybody's getting 14 years in the slammer, it's that corrupt piece of garbage. Or not anymore. Correct. So, I, I mean... I'll give, you know, I usually defer to you guys, but here's my take on it. I actually wrote a whole piece about this idea of pardoning Rob Blagojevich back in 2018 because that's the first time that the president had actually mulled this decision. And what what stood out to me was every single one of his actions were indefensible, and he was very blatant in what he did. I mean, he really didn't try and hide it. He's on tape. It was a closed, shut case. And I think that the governor of a state committed uh that committed egregious bribery like this abused the public trust deserves at least 14 years in prison um and the only conclusion that i can come to as to why blagojevich has been given uh commuted sentences is because trump knows him from the apprentice number one and number two his wife petitioned the white house over and over and over again Asking for his sentence to uh, to be commuted, and then also, Trump, according to CNN, Trump linked Blagojevich's prosecution to longtime foe, former FBI Director James Comey, a close friend of former U.S. Attorney in Illinois Patrick Fitzgerald, who led the prosecution against Blagojevich. Um, Trump said, "It's a prosecution." I'll, I'll do my impression. It was a prosecution by the same people, Gomi, Fitzpatrick, the same group. So he's bought into his own conspiracy garbage, and now he's freeing Rod Blagojevich. What do you guys think, um, Tom, we'll go to you first. What do you think of the whole uh, pardoning situation with the just the, the 11 people in general, and then specifically with Blagojevich? Is this another ridiculous example of abuse of power from the president, or is there some legitimacy to this? I don't like the... The release of Rob Blagojevich. I can't pronounce him. Blagojevich. I struggled through it too. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with you that all the 14 years that he has coming towards him was deserved. I mean, you can't go and sell off a presidential seat no matter if you get money off of it or not. I think that this is not a very smart move of Trump to do if he wants to continue uh, with his presidency or if he wants to get himself into another impeachment case because they can flip on a dime. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, though, is that the pardon is a constitutional power that the president has, but I think it's obvious that he's abusing that power. Yes, he is. Um, I mean, that's the catch-22 in that situation. Uh, there's really no defense for some of the people that he got off, got Absolutely. A, g- gave off the hook for. Andy? Isn't this the normal level of abuse? I mean, JFK c- c- correct. a whole bunch of his correct. friends. Correct. There was a tally put out that's that had like um, commutations and pardons by president. And so far, Trump is a little over 70, I believe. And Obama, by the time he left office, was way over 200. But usually those occur on like the last week that they're in office. But shouldn't we be saying that I, all so abuses of power are bad abuses of power? I, I think that a pardon should only be used if it's a case where the courts were obviously wrong or gave a bad sentence. Like, I remember that guy who did all of those 
terrible um, documentaries like the Democrats and Nazis. Uh, he's like he's an Indian fellow. Dinesh D'Souza. You know, Dinesh D'Souza. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I know Dinesh D'Souza. He got a really odd like. It sort of fell into cruel and unusual punishment because he went to prison and no one goes to prison for it. He right. got uh, pardoned because it was ridiculous that he got this felony offense for something as minor as what he did. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, pardon that because that was just a miscarriage of justice. What doesn't make any sense is, hello, I am a giant corrupt jerk. <laughs> I am now in prison. Oh, well, I'm going to save you because we met once on the street. Like Obviously, that guy should still be in jail. He Blagojevic, upon his release, was asked, "Are you a Democrat or a Republican now?" And he said, "I'm a Trumpocrat." <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> which I think sums up the situation well. Uh, Matt, yeah, your thoughts? Um, yeah. So Barack Obama pardoned 212 people, and he also commuted the sentences of 1,715 people, which was more than the previous 13 presidents combined. So when we want to look back at who set the precedent for doing this, for doing something so stupid, and this was stupid, this was the, probably one of the dumbest moves of the entire Trump presidency. Barack Obama did it first, not to say that, that excuses it because it doesn't, but Wait, the president has been set. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Why did you bring up Barack Obama? I mean, seriously, why does it matter? Like the president, you know, what we agree to did something stupid or potentially an abuse of power. Why do you care what Barack Obama did? Because if we're going to set a standard, it matters what the precedent is. And the precedent, this has been okay. Um, but I still don't think it, it was okay from a uh, political lens, from a public view lens. Uh, I don't think it was good. But the precedent is there. It's an institutional problem and not really just like a Donald Trump problem. Yeah, yeah of course. I'm, not, I'm just saying I'm it's not, not a, that that's either. my point is that it's not a Trump problem. This is a problem with pardon power. Yeah. The Trump problem is that he, for some reason, pardoned that jerk. And the Trump problem is that Republicans aren't saying anything about it, uh, which is more evidence to my overall point that Trump has successfully captured the party. But um, any any last thoughts for anybody on this before we go to break? No. All right, so coming back, we're going to discuss something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Are you rooting for Bernie Sanders to win the primary? Okay, we might have some disagreement there. Uh, then we're going to talk about Trump at the Daytona 500. You know, people say that's the reason why, you know, you hear this saying all the time, that's the reason why Trump won. Uh, more evidence that that may be the case. And uh, we'll end off today with a special Thursday edition of What You're Looking At. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the second half of today's episode on this Thursday, the 20th of February. And uh, we're going to jump right into things. Guys, I have a question for you. Let's start off with uh, who wants to go first? Oh, I guess I'm Tom's pointing to Andy. Andy, are you rooting for Bernie Sanders to win the nomination for the Democratic nomination for president? I was. I was before Bloomberg proved to me that he'd be even more entertaining. <laughs> As a candidate, I really was all the way. Bernie Sanders should be the candidate because it'll just be so interesting watching what can only be called a Looney Tunes uh, 
Like he, he, I don't know. He'd either be Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck, with the duck season, rabbit season, getting their heads blown off by shotguns. Okay, sort of debates. Uh, it would be amazing, but clearly Bloomberg would be even better because I just love to see Donald Trump argue with himself. So in essence, you're arguing for chaos, right? Well, what else are we going to get? I, what is our best case scenario that somehow I'll tell you Buttigieg what the be- comes up? Sure. No, 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 no. And- I'll tell you what the best case scenario is. The reason why I'm not voting, voting, not voting for Bernie, not rooting for Bernie in this primary is because I think it would actually do damage to the country. When you look at what that race will entail. It's the main line. It's the main line. It's mainlining socialism as a concept. The f- he will be the first person in American history to be an avowed socialist and win a nomination for president in a major party. You know, the people usually who are most against socialism are the people who've experienced it. So maybe that's really just what this country needs: is everyone to go through a nice cleanse. You know, you, you take some poison so that. You're more resistant to it. I, I don't know. We're talking about either the car crash is going to be fiery or it's just, you know, the engine gets missed and the gas doesn't blow up. I, it, we are in for some damage. As much it as I matter what happens. As much as I want the fun of Bernie going up against Trunk and Trunk, <laughs> Trump, <laughs> Trump and him saying, Bernie, you're a red Akami, Akami Pinko, you're no good. And we're not going to do that in this. We will never be a socialist country. We're never going to do it. I think that what would be better for the country would be a moderate candidate, somebody like Joe Biden or Amy Klobuchar coming in. Uh, Although the one moderate, I use moderate in quotes (laughs) for those that can see what I'm doing through the radio, um, that scares me is Pete Buttigieg because he is a snake. I don't trust a single word that he says. He's incredibly cal- – you can just see the gears grinding in his head as he thinks of every single one of his responses. He's too smart for his own good. Harvard-educated man, worked for one of the best consulting companies in the entire world. He scares the crap out of me because he can put a patina of normalcy on an otherwise bat-crap radical campaign. I, I'm no longer on the Bernie Sanders train, though. I'm, I'm really hoping You're on the Bloomberg Buddha train. Shit. I'm, I'm Bloomberg, not Buttigieg. Yeah. I'm really on the Bloomberg train okay. now because, like, if Bernie Sanders would be a fiery crash, this is like a fiery crash, but we know that the passenger is safe. Okay, so you want you want to debate? We got to move on to Tom's opinion here, but you want to debate where Bloomberg says, Donald. I'm way richer than you are. And Trump just goes, no, you're not. You're totally not. Look at my resort in Mar-a-Lago. I got so much a bigger tower than you. And yeah. and all of the Bernie bros just crying in the background, <laughs> yes. tears of blood, and okay. talking about how Bernie Sanders could still win the 2016 election. Tom, do you think that, well, are you rooting for Bernie to win the primary? Well, in all of these elections, I take, or when the elections come up, I take a look at the Moody economic reports. And I in this situation, a maximum voter turnout will mean a Democrat win. And I am hope Bernie Sanders will definitely bring the maximum voter turnout. So I am not rooting for Bernie in this situation. And if anyone is going to win on the Democrat side, I would want it to be a Klobuchar or Biden. I'm still rooting okay. for those two. For the financial aspect? Or just economic in general. All I think that ship sailed. You really think? I think that ship ship sunk. Do you think that the Biden think, the Biden ship is gone? I think I think it is too. But Tom, do you think anything? It's left can... port. It's crashed into an iceberg and it's sunk deep, deep, deep into no, the North Atlantic. The Biden Ocean. ship is the ship that's docked off in New Jersey, full of coronavirus patients. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what it really is. But 
Tom, do you think that a moderate could actually come back here? We still have Super Tuesday coming up. We have seven states having their primaries on March 10th, four states on the 17th, four states April 4th, six states April 28th. We still have a long, long way to go. And okay. I think that there's very good chance that a moderate can come back. And Are you banking on a broker convention? Well, 538 right now says two and five, so... And that's the best chance of happening, right? That's the best chance. That's of the most likely outcome. Yes. This broker convention. So that's you, what you're betting on. Bernie dropped from forty percent yesterday to thirty-five today. Okay. So I am banking on a broker convention. It changes a lot, doesn't it? it well, it, it doesn't. The only big swing so far has been after Iowa. That's it. Yeah. Everything else is really consistent. But after Iowa, no one was below Sanders. What? What? No one broker convention was below Sanders. I, yeah, but that was only like two percentage points below Sanders. And Buttigieg was like third place. Yeah, but hasn't he just been mildly overtaken by Bloomberg? No, he's fifth place. Biden is up to third and Bloomberg No, Buttigieg was never second place. He's third. Uh, hey, I'm looking, I'm looking at the 538 model right now. Sure. The 538 model has a brokered convention at 41% chance of happening, as in no one getting a majority of the delegates. Sanders it has a 37% chance, so they're both around two and five. Biden has 11% chance, Bloomberg at nine, Buttigieg at one, Warren at one, and all others at at less than one in 100 chance. I'm, I'm saying after the Iowa, yep. it was... Uh, Sanders, no one, Buttigieg, and now it's no Biden. No was one, a, Biden was above Buttigieg. I, maybe my memory is just faulty, but now yeah. it's yeah, you know, it's totally like changed. Yeah, I, I don't think it's swung as much as you maybe, but it has swung. Matt, what are you rooting for, Bernie? Here. Okay, so I think a Bernie Sanders way. candidacy would be hilarious, um, and I think that he would absolutely get destroyed by Trump because. He's just not a, a good candidate for the majority of American people. But I don't want it to happen because of what you said, normalizing socialism in the United States. I'm also not rooting for Bloomberg. I'm not where Andy's at because I think Bloomberg actually has a shot at beating Trump because he only recently became a Democrat. He's perceived as a Biden type moderate. Um, so I'm more, I don't know. I think that Sanders will probably lose and so I guess in that sense, I'm rooting for him um, to win the nomination because I, I think that Biden is gone. Biden's done. He's not doesn't have a chance. Buttigieg scares me because he's a perceived moderate who's actually fairly radical. And and Warren is gone as well. So it's really Bloomberg, Sanders or Buttigieg at the moment, which is just and, unbelievable. And, <laughs> So I really have to I, – I guess I am pulling for Sanders to win the nomination because I do think that he's the worst of the candidates. Well, OK. So you you're, you want Trump to to stomp these people? Yeah. yeah. OK. And that's that's your number one concern. Like you think that if Trump what, – what do you think the country will look like if Trump loses? So I think if Trump loses to either – if Trump loses to Bloomberg, I think we get um, – I think we get four years of – kind of surveillance state authoritarian um like type stuff like it's gonna be it's gonna be like he's gonna try to ban large sodas nationwide like <laughs> we're gonna see i don't know i think we're gonna see bad bad things with bloomberg because what, what he's if a, such a radical on. what if he's what such if, a radical on gun control what if a non-moderate what if a non-radical wins what if it's biden 
if Biden or Klobuchar, Klobuchar, I think, would be our best bet for being okay at the end of four to eight years of Democrat. I think she's our best bet. I don't like her. I would not vote for her. But of all of them, I think Klobuchar is probably, or, or Biden has kind of moved to the left a little bit. Klobuchar, though, is from Minnesota. She knows Republic. There's a lot of Republicans in Minnesota. And I think that she's learned how to build a coalition she'll with let, she'll let people you keep, from the other side. She'll let you keep your guns. That's the, Andy, you wanted yeah. to, you looked like you wanted to strangle something. I, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where it, the only thing I can think of is entertainment because if I think about someone winning who I actually would want to be president, I just start getting into the realm of like, well, maybe uh, Jesus Christ will come back down and take us all up with him. The second coming will come and save us. I don't – I think that that's about on we par totally with, hope. with Klobuchar somehow winning this race. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what's the 538 forecast for Klobuchar right now? Uh, uh, wow. She, she doesn't even show up. She doesn't show up. No, yeah. it's bad. Like I, she won't get it. Yeah, zero point one percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This zero is point, like a yeah, motorboat race, and she's in a rowboat. <laughs> uh, she's not even in a boat. She's like treading. She's water. swimming. Yeah, yeah. She's treading water. In a um, wheelchair. So that wraps up our Bernie conversation. So we're on the record. You, meaning Andy, Tom, and myself, are a no, meaning we're not rooting for Bernie to win. Matt is a screw it. Let's go for the crazy. I guess, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh. We'll we'll see how it turns out. I think he, I I think it's Bernie's race to lose at this moment. I I really think he's he's in the he's in the pilot seat. We'll see how it plans out. But I really don't see anybody besides a broken convention taking it away from him. Uh, Donald Trump. Um, I talked about Speed Weeks last week. Donald Trump made his appearance at Speed Weeks to give the command to start engines at the Daytona 500. Um, I'm gonna play the clip of him. Uh starting the engines there and then uh we're going to talk about whether this is like i heard people freaking out that this is just another example of the imperial presidency and the cult of personality around the presidency which i think has some legitimacy to it or is this just a extremely extremely clever campaign tactic that is going to rally his base again NASCAR fans to welcome back your United States Air Force Thunderbirds and to deliver the most famous words in motorsports at the Daytona 500. Please welcome this year's Grand Marshal, the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, accompanied by First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump. Daytona International Speedway, we love our country and it's truly an honor to be with all of you at the great American race, gentlemen, start your engine. So not only did Trump uh, give the command to start engines, he also took the presidential limo with half of his motorcade out onto the banks of, he didn't go on the banks, but he went out onto the track of Daytona and paced the field for the start of the race. It's meaning he led the field to the green flag for a couple laps, which is just I mean, as much as I kind of hate this showmanship of using taxpayer money to benefit yourself politically uh, by making these gigantic spectacles, um, Air Force One flew over the track and everything as well. Uh, it was pretty damn cool for myself, somebody who's a big race fan, to see that. And the drivers themselves were really amped up. They're, I mean, I think that you're more likely 
to find somebody who you're more likely to find an entire section of people that are blind than vote Democrat in a NASCAR race. So was this just another fantastic way of firing up the Republican base saying, uh, you know, I'm not Michael Bloomberg and would actually come down to Daytona or like, what do you guys just think of this tactic? Matt? Oh no, Matt's going first. Matt's going to go first. (laughs) Matt. Yeah, no, I actually, I liked, um, I like this. I, Again, I'm I'm not a, I don't like NASCAR. I, something about watching cars drive in circles doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, it's, I mean it's nothing worse than seeing people kick balls backwards for ninety minutes. So <clears throat> yeah, so I mean watching cars drive in circles and people almost die in fiery accidents is also is that's terrible. Well, at as least well. at least it's a real man sport. Little danger involved. Yeah. So at least when the NASCAR drivers get hurt, they're actually hurt. Even though I'm not a huge fan of NASCAR, nor am I a massive fan of the president, it was really is really freaking cool to see this. Um, I think my favorite clip was Air Force One flying 800 feet over the the track, yeah, um, just really low, like buzzing buzzing the uh, the racetrack. That was awesome. And Trump is just showing why he's good at marketing himself. He's showing that he can do these things. And going back to your point about how you said you kind of hate the spectacle of all this, yeah. I don't mind. It, no, it reminds I kind me. Of, it it remi- I hate it because it reminds me of like when kings were paraded through the street in their chariots, like. It's just it's it makes the presidency into a spectacle when it really is just supposed to be one guy, you know, that is a common man who happens to be elected to a position. Well, I don't see it as that because I see it more as like the presidency itself or like the country uh, being represented at the at the at the thing. Because, I mean, Air Force One flying over the, the field and the, and the fighter jet flyover and the presidential limit on the track, that's. You know, yes, in this case, it was about Trump, but any president could have done that. Um, and it would have been cool. And I don't think it has much to do. I think it's more just showing like, hey, we're, this is America and we're awesome. And like everything is awesome. It's cool. Um, and I mean, to, to be fair, Calvin Coolidge, uh, probably one of the most modest presidents of all time, was 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 at a fair few baseball games. And I believe throwing the first pitch. I'm not sure. But I know that he was at many baseball games. Yeah, I, I mean. Fair point. Isn't there a difference between throwing out the first pitch at a baseball game and taking the presidential limo out onto 31-degree banking <laughs> and, um, and, flying the Air, so. and flying Air Force One over a massive Maybe doing an Air Force One flyover up, but like pacing the field with the limo is like the equivalent to throwing the first pitch at a baseball game. You're kind of getting everything started. You're kicking it off. Fair enough. Also, there was a that was the single largest deployment of Secret Service agents for an event in American history. Over 500 Secret Service agents were deployed to the Daytona 500 to protect the president. So, wow. I don't think there was any risk that anybody was going to do anything untoward to the president, the president there. And if they were, they wouldn't be alive pretty long to tell it uh, with a NASCAR crowd. But um, that just the scale of what he did there was kind of astounding. Tom, it's one of those situations again where he goes overboard and then everyone's just like oh oh well he just did it again and then everyone overreacts i the overreactions are unwarranted but i understand that bringing a presidential limo for a few lapses it's a bit it's a bit gauche (laughs) but to just say this is trump's imperialism or just like his authoritarianism self like seeping through that's just that's not the right response here. That's just an over simple overreaction. Right. And if we're gonna, I guess, point out the things in the past, like obviously, like first pitches happen, 
presidents have filled out NCAA brackets. Yep. Like there's Barack Obama gave an interview with a woman sitting in a hot tub full of Cheerios. I mean, <laughs> or was it Fruit Loops? Do you remember that, Matt? Was it Cheerios or Fruit Loops? I remember the interview. Matter? I don't remember the kind of cereal oh, that was in that. Andy, it matters. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I don't like Trump doing this either, but but the people, the overreactions just need to take a step. It's not that bad. Yeah. Okay. Andy, I am going to disagree with you. I don't think that these sorts of displays are are really all that bad. I think the presidency should be something that is special because you are, at least the way the United States is, functions now, you are the leader of the free world. You should probably, when you show up, things should be happening. You should be a big deal. And I don't mean this from the stance that Trump should be a big deal, but the president of the United States should be right, a big right. deal. It's a big office. People should know it's a big deal. And I mean, he's not flying to Key Largo or any of the other numerous things that Air Force One gets, you know, they spend money on that's millions of dollars of, of, you know, the taxpayer money going away so that he can sit alone on a beach and then golf alone. This (laughs) is him going to a whole bunch of people, regardless of how you feel about the president. It's just any president on earth going to any event like this. And doing something cool like the presidential, you know, motorcade, getting on the field, and then Air Force One buzzing the whole place. It really it's was so cool. It was. It really and was something to behold. If I was like ten years old and that happened, that would be amazing. I wouldn't care who the president is, and that is the sort of thing that I feel like. If you're going to have offices that are as big as what we have, when you show up someplace, you should be making a big presentation. It's sort of the concept of uh, ambassadors when they would go to other countries from Rome. They wouldn't bow because they represent Rome. He represents the United States. We all elected him, or at least, you know, half of us elected him. My president! You know, I I guess if the other half don't want this to represent them, that's fine. He represents the United States, and he's supposed to. And as such, he should be big and powerful and act like it. Sure. I, I, Maybe I, if he was less no, vulgar. I guess I understand. My last comment before we move on to our final segment would be, I understand the need for grandiosity of the off, for, for the office of the President of the United States. And I do think it's important that we have you know, a gigantic limousine and a gigantic airplane for one guy. Um, I think that is important for the rest of the country and for the rest of the world to have to show this is our chief executive. But I draw a distinction between the grandiosity of the office and turning events into campaign rallies, which is what he kind of did. He gave an entire speech. But it wasn't a campaign rally. Matt, you missed you missed what I was about to say. He gave a speech right before he was giving the command, about a half an hour before he gave the command, where he was just ripping on people like he normally did and saying, they don't like you, they don't like the race, and I'm here for the race, and yada, yada, yada. I was, it's supposed to unite, not divide. I was taking issue with the Ben Shapiro, oh, I don't like it because it makes the president a king thing. And I think I listened to it when I was like 18. That made sense. And now that I've grown up a little bit, I guess I don't agree with it because I think that He's our chief executive, and quite frankly, the people who really enjoyed the parades when the king would parade in the streets of London or in the streets of any, like, Paris, it wasn't like the king was having a great time. Everyone else was having a great time because oh, there's a parade. Oh, oh, Trump was having a great time. I mean, Trump, he was Trump having was a good time. Trump was definitely having a good time because he's that kind of person. Yeah. But it's not like the parades were really for the king's benefit. The, the parades were for the people's benefit because yep. look how powerful our king is. Yep. 
Except we actually elect this one. That's what separates a king from a president. Good points all around. I mean, it was something It was something to behold. We're moving on now to a special Thursday edition of What You're Looking At. We're going to go around the table uh, and go around the internet <laughs> and talk about anything that we read, saw, listened to uh, over this past week that drew our attention. Uh, Andy, I think you might want to go first. Well, um, some jerk I know gave me a catechism very recently. <laughs> And um, I have to read this now, so I I don't I don't know how I feel about it yet, but it looks long, and I already have an 800-page book that I have to read, and I was just given another. Thank you so much. Is it the compendium or is it the full catechism? It looks like the full I don't thing. Know. What's the difference? The it would say compendium man. on the front. It's the full. Oh man, yeah. Have fun, <laughs> Tom. So, Anything catch your eye over this past week? So something that has caught a lot of people's eyes uh, in the world of investing over, I guess, the past month. So this is really newer news. But Tesla's stock uh, at the turn of the calendar, which started January 2nd, 2020, from $430. Right now, February 2020, February 20th, 2020, it's at $890. It has jumped significantly. And a lot of investors criticize this stock because when you run all the uh, financial models, it's so overvalued in the market. But people just keep investing in this company, and it's just an anomaly to think about. And they're expecting to hit $1,000 soon. So you're really looking at that as somebody who's, who's into investing. A lot of people. Do you have are, Tesla stock? I do not. A lot of people shorted this stock, too, which really hurt investors, too, mm. uh, because they just lose money on their position. And it's... It's confusing everyone right now. You'll think the, you're thinking the crash is coming soon. Elon I, Musk, twenty twenty. <laughs> uh, it depends on what happens. Uh, I guess this decade, would there be a crash coming soon? No, 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 no. I mean, of the stock, not not the global economy. Well, same 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 <laughs> argument. Okay. As we look into this decade, who knows what Tesla can do? I mean, they're still they have yet to operate at a annual profit. So, right. they just broke profit on the Roadster, actually. That's literally the first thing that they broke profit on. Yeah, right but that's one quarter. So exactly, we'll, we'll have see. to see this decade. Good, good. That's know. that's something unique. Good. That's a good uh, good thing to keep looking at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Things that don't make profit are great uh, things to invest in. Enron, really, just great. Uber. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, what are you looking at? So we're moving from something incredibly smart to something incredibly stupid. And it's, uh, I've been on YouTube. I've been looking, like, I don't, I haven't been watching as much YouTube so recently. But there have been this, like, type of video that I'm kind of infatuated with. Oh, boy. And it's, like, low cost food challenges. So <laughs> someone will try to spend, like, a dollar a day and prepare oh, all of their I, meals. I think I've seen this. And a guy goes, like, through New York's Chinatown and gets food yeah. for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw one guy in England, like, he went and he got, like, he literally bought, like, a tiny tomato for, like, three cents. And, like, <laughs> like he, like, went and, like, found, like, the smallest vegetables and weighed them and, like, priced them out. Like, it was kind of interesting. And, like, I've just been watching a lot of videos like that, and they're, they're, they make me want to do a low-cost food challenge. Hey, Matt, that's not stupid. That's smart. That's smart budgeting right that's there. That's right. It's called maximizing efficiency, my friend. Don't listen to them. That was incredibly yes. dumb. Yes. <laughs> All right, Andy. Very disappointed. That's so. the way you look at it. Quiet, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> just just go back and read the catechism. Just... <laughs> yeah. Um, my, yeah my... catechism, loser? <laughs> uh, I did Speed Weeks last week. This week, I'm going to do another auto racing. It's back. Formula One winter testing started up this week. Um, cars on track for the first time. 
Uh, and one of the more interesting things, you guys will probably stop listening because it will make your eyes glaze, glaze over, but uh, Mercedes, the Mercedes team with Lewis Hamilton. You know Lewis Hamilton, right, Matt? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they created a new steering system. You know how steering columns in a car, like the, the steering wheel can be adjusted to go up, down, and then in and out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They created a steering system where their steering wheel – it doesn't go side to side or up and down, but what it does in race cars, they tow out the tires, meaning they angle them so that they get better grip in the corners, um, and it doesn't cause like loss of grip on entry into the corners, and that puts you at a disadvantage down the straight because you lose grip because some of the tire is off the tread, and it causes extra wear while going down the straight. But okay. just today, Mercedes was basically caught because Formula One is all about just bending the rules enough so you don't break them and trying to hide all those advantages from your competitors, they developed a system whereby if you pushed the um, the steering column in, like where they hold the steering wheel, the toe on the car gets drastically reduced. The tires literally oh, wow. move back up to almost a straight-up position so they get extra speed and extra grip down the straightaway. That's incredibly it's cool. It's brilliant. But, That's awesome. And then when you go into the corners, you push the steering column in and the toe goes back in. So that's why I love Formula One, the engineering aspect of the sport, and of course the racing. But uh, give winter testing a look. It doesn't mean anything for who's going to be actually fastest, but uh, you get to see some cool cars. Matt, it's in Barcelona. Um, oh, at, very cool. In uh, At the circuit uh, Barcelona-Catalunya. <laughs> if you have some time to go up there, they'll be there for well, a week or so. Is, uh, Honestly, one racing. of the dates uh, of that. I believe they're here for the rest of the week, and then they come back two weeks later. Um, I don't have I don't have time to go see that. Thursday's a travel day. Oh, thir- yeah, <laughs> Thursday's a travel day. I am, I'm <laughs> broke. Ah, ah, I see. Okay. Racing is just such an interesting sport because it's more than just human bodies. It's also this really incredible engineering aspect and people devising new right. systems. And it's a whole team behind one person in one car, too. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. It's so fast-paced, and there's sort of like a, a really intelligent aspect to it that people miss. And nothing like soccer, which is terrible. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that there's only three sports. Bull, I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson. Bullfighting, mountain climbing, and auto racing, all the rest are games. And I think that that ha- does have some truth to it. I mean, we just saw it at the Daytona 500 this week. A guy legitimately almost died, um, mm-hmm. Ryan Newman, who, by some miracle, I mean, the miracle of modern medicine, more like it, was released from the hospital yesterday after le- legitimately the reporters at the scene who you know have covered the sport for 20 years thought that he was dead um, just by the way that everybody was acting around. He was probably knocked unconscious and maybe in a, may have been in a medically induced coma, but... Um, he left the hospital on his own two feet walking with his children. So wow. absolute miracle and testament to how safe those cars have become. Um, guys, Matthew specifically, thank you for joining us as always. We will be back Tuesday uh, with a regular show here on Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe to us on your platform of choice for listening to podcasts and follow us on social media. Matt, do you know the Instagram handle off the top of your head again? Uh, it's at a house divided underscore su i think it's an underscore i think that's right yeah. too and then twitter is just a house divided su su right? yeah. yeah so give us follows on there we'll be posting updates uh and you'll know first when our episodes are released so thank you for listening everybody and we will see you all next week